0: Every salesperson upon closing a deal needs to think about what relationships need to be strengthened, uh, what relationships need to be built, and what needs to be done to ensure that the customer is onboarded properly and satisfied.
1: Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I have Alice Hyman with me, and uh, we're going to talk about actionable customer retention tactics to drive repeat sales. Thanks for coming on the show today, Alice.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure.
1: Well, by way of introduction, Alice is a sales strategist, coach, and keynote speaker with over 20 years of experience. She's the, founder of, uh, chief sales. She's the founder and chief sales officer at Alice Hyman LLC. It's a sales consultancy that provides strategy and tactics for companies dealing with complex B2B sales and helps them accelerate business growth. Uh, Alice is also the the co-founder and CRO of The Trade Show Makeover, a program which provides winning strategies for closing deals at trade shows. Well, uh, fantastic, Alice. Why why don't we jump into the questions? We've got a bunch of juicy things today. So customer loyalty is the goal of all great salespeople. What are the most important steps that reps can take to ensure a long-term relationship with customers
0: first of all don't assume you have a great relationship with your customer
1: Right? Sure. Make
0: sure you have uh, but I have seen a lot of cases where people will tell me oh we have a great relationship with them and the next thing you know they're not renewing their contract so we want loyal customers we actually have to take steps to get there so if you think about stair steps up right when we first meet with a company and sell them something, we're at a transaction level where they've purchased something from us. We're all familiar with transactions because we all walk into a store and purchase something. That's a transaction. Whether or not we go back to that store ever again, right? that moves us up the stair step. But when we're talking about a business-to-business complex sale, even at that level where there are a lot of complexities and a lot of buyers involved, a lot of people on the selling team involved, um, long sales cycles, large dollar stakes, all of that. Once we have closed the deal, we have a transaction. Now, whether or not we can move from a transaction, a transactional sale to a satisfied customer, so up a step, meaning that that customer is satisfied, has told us that they're satisfied, and will be willing to uh, uh, purchase again or purchase something else from us, you know, that takes work because you close the deal and then unfortunately many companies, the onboarding isn't great, didn't deliver what they promised. So that transaction was really a failure in many ways. So we can't get up the stairs to the top where we have a loyal customer that partners with us and wouldn't even think about buying from anyone else unless we take care of the basics. So I'd say that every salesperson, upon closing a deal, needs to think about what relationships need to be strengthened, uh, what relationships need to be built, and what needs to be done to ensure that the customer is onboarded properly and satisfied. Now, in a lot of companies, we have different departments. There's people who go out and get the new business, then there's people who onboard them, and then there's customer success who will continue with them and and continue to manage that account. But the salesperson can still keep in touch with all of the key players all along the way, helping both the onboarding team and the customer success team. And the salesperson can be helpful in identifying other people at the company that are important, that relationships should be built with, and help identify who from their company should be positioned with the customer, the people at the customer's company. So for example, once a large deal is closed, maybe your CEO wasn't involved and their CEO wasn't involved, but once it's closed and the onboarding started, there may be a reason to introduce the CEOs and have them have a conversation. Um, There may not be, but you should be looking for those opportunities. So uh, once we move up to to a satisfied customer, then we have the opportunity to move up to a loyal customer. But that takes continued work and you have to continue to build relationships and uh, sometimes rebuild relationships because things happen, customers are unhappy, we have to fix it, make it better and rebuild those relationships.
1: And, and just so we're all speaking the same language, um, define what satisfied customer means to you and, and define what loyal customer means to you.
0: Yeah, well, I think that that is gonna be different from company to company, but there are certainly some basics. If I'm satisfied, um, I will say things like, this worked, it was a good purchase, um, this solved our problem. Now, how will you know that? Well, you have to ask, right? So Mm -hmm. you've got to say, not just to one person, but to all the people who were involved in in purchasing, on that product whatever levels they may be whatever departments they were in if they had an IT person and a marketing person and a person from the sales department and somebody from purchasing and you know many other people involved all of them need to be satisfied not just one so we actually have to go back and and ask them You know, how was the buying process now that you have the product and it's installed or everyone's using it or, you know, whatever the case may be. Are you happy with it? Is it working the way you thought it would work? Um, If you're not happy, what can we do to make you happy? So you have to ask those questions. And if they're satisfied, they will say things like it worked, we're happy we purchased it. you know, and they'll give you signals that they're satisfied. Now, that doesn't mean they're loyal. Loyal, because a satisfied customer may um, use your product and be happy with it, but the next time they need something similar, they may go and look elsewhere. Or when the renewal comes up, they may say, you know, we'd like to take a look around and see what else can solve our problem. That's, a, you know, they may have been satisfied, but they're just thinking maybe there's something better out there. Mm-hmm. A loyal customer is not going to look around. A loyal customer, even when you disappoint them or something doesn't go right, they're gonna tell you and give you a chance to fix it. Um, A loyal customer is a walking advertisement for you. They tell people how great you are and that they make introductions for you. Sometimes they do it without even being asked, but certainly when they are asked, they will make introductions for you. Uh, They make sure that others in their organization know who you are and that uh, you are the solution of choice, and they're not going to be out looking for a solution unless you can't provide what they need any longer. So there's just that difference in uh, the relationship level, that difference in the satisfaction is even higher. And they really feel like they're a partner with you and you make their world a better place. You help them help their customers. And so they become more than satisfied. They become loyal.
1: Fantastic. Um, great, great distinction. And it's, it's, it's clear why loyal customers bring so much to the table. If you can get someone to that level of satisfaction, um, it, I've heard you talk about a common mistake salespeople make is thinking that closing means that their job is done. What advice do you have for sales reps uh, in terms of after a deal is closed?
0: So this is a tough one because at some companies, the sales reps are told, go back and find another customer, get out of our way, we'll onboard them and we'll uh, take care of them. And customer success gets very possessive and they don't want the salespeople back in there. So I'm sorry if that is the case at your company. I believe in team selling always. And so that means that everybody's involved when they need to be and where they need to be. So, if you uh, are a salesperson and you have a team that is kind of preventing you from being near the customer once you 've closed the deal, then I am going to recommend that you sit down with them and talk about it. talk about what's why they don 't want you involved um, If you were involved, what would that look like? what would make them comfortable and Of course, you know talk to the senior executives at your company and help them. Uh, First understand why they want the handoff the way it is and then help them understand why it would be better for you to stay involved. Now, obviously, if I'm trying to manage accounts, I can't, I don't have as much time to go out and land new accounts. So it's a smart way to divide sales. These people go out and find new accounts. However, it doesn't take a lot of time to do a touch base. So For me, it would look something like this. Upon closing the deal, I make sure the handoff is seamless. I make sure my uh, key buyers get introduced to all the right people at my company. I check with them uh, periodically throughout the onboarding process, a quick email or a quick phone call. I want to find out how it's going. I check with my own team who's onboarding to find out if there's any problems. We're not talking about hours per week we're talking about minutes per week so let's say you're closing 10 deals a month which i hope you all are closing 10 deals a month that are 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or a hundred thousand dollars um if you are 10 deals a month you can still take a couple minutes to check in with the key people on both sides and see how things are going of course you also want to thank all of the people who are involved in making the decision right so that's a handwritten thank you note or sometimes a gift card it just depends what your company allows and what the industries you sell to allow so some sort of thank you for doing business then checking on both sides you your team and their team during the onboarding process and then once they are fully onboarded maybe months or however long it takes you're going to want to set a cadence for your check-ins so maybe it's quarterly. You check in with the four or five buying influences that you originally closed the deal with. See how they're doing. If they're close by or you're close by then, you're flying to their city, you might even take them uh, for coffee or a meal, something like that. But you're going to set up a cadence for yourself to continue checking in with them. And that way you don't lose touch with them. And if something does happen... And you need to get back in there. It's very easy because you've been in touch all along and it's not a big explosion of problems and drama and everything else. So if you, as much as your company will let you um, t- take some initiative to stay in touch with the key people after they've been onboarded and everything's working, just do a small touch base once in a while a handwritten note find them on linkedin and interact with them um give them a quick phone call stop by when you're in their city invite them to something do some things that you can to stay in touch
1: such great advice and you know I, i've seen this done in different ways uh and and maybe there is no right or wrong answer because it's, it's 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 a bunch of trade-offs but you know I, i've seen i've seen companies and been a part of companies where. The, the sales rep is also the customer su- success person and is also, you know, it, once, a, once you close a customer, now you're responsible for servicing that account going forward and making sure you, you're kind of running point on all the, all the different uh, needs that they may have going forward. And I've also seen the exact opposite where the second the sale is closed, you are never to talk to them again. It's, it's the, the deal's done and, and now you're on to the next deal and there's a team to do the onboarding and a team to, to do the mate, account maintenance going forward. And I think both of those are pretty extreme. I think, uh, and probably somewhere in the middle is the best way to organize a business. I, I think whatever a company chooses on that spectrum, uh, you want to make sure the comp plans are all aligned. I've seen I've seen people have comp plans not aligned with uh, with the way they're structuring the teams. So I think it's really it's important that you know if if you want if you want reps to be involved in the future of an account, then they need to be comped on the upside and you know if they if if they get uh you know the customer to customer to buy more things they need to be comped on that so it's whereas at some companies you know they'll have an expectation of oh keep managing the account but no you you don't get paid on anymore bad things will happen there's a misalignment um or if you tell them don't talk to them anymore but then you 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 do get comped on the upside then they're going to want to talk to them again so you you I think, you know, you kind of want to, there's value to specialization. There's value to having, you know, uh, someone who manages the customer going forward in the relationship who's different than the salesperson. I think in, in, at least in a lot of industries there there's value to that. Um, But I I do, the way I do it at my company is I, I I circle the salespeople back in whenever there's an upside to the, to the relationship, meaning, you know, if, if maybe they, started with Badger on just their West coast team and they're going, they're going to bring on their East coast team or bring on their European team. I'll circle this, the original sales rep, that, you know, the, 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 that original sales rep gets pulled back in by the, by the customer success person.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great way to do it. I, I think, like you said, there's extremes and there's everything in between. I think the important thing to do is put yourself in the customer's shoes and think about how they want to be served. So do you wanna be cut off from the person you've spent six months building a relationship with in order to get the deal closed? No, of course you don't. Yeah. And especially, you know, a lot of times, companies have a lot of turnover and it seems like a revolving door to the customer. So I think we have to put ourselves in our customer's shoes, especially in a complex sale where there are six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 people sometimes involved in making this deal come together, we don't just cut the salesperson off from them. It's not wise in any way whatsoever. That's not what the customer would want. The customer wants to know who to call, of course, And they want to be introduced to that person and start to build a relationship with that person. That's why the earlier you can bring the onboarding people in, the better, because the customer starts to get used to that person. And maybe they get to meet some people Mm -hmm. from the customer success team, even before you close the deal. So they realize you have a whole team that will take care of them.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, one, one way that I've seen that work really well in the past and the way we do it is, Um, the the person who is their customer success manager going forward also set up their trial. So anyone that uses a trial type situation, that's a really clean way to do that. So the salesperson is in charge of the deal, you know, managing the account at that level. And then the the customer success person is also in charge of the success of their trial. So even though they're not a customer yet, they're just trialing it. The, The customer success person comes in at that point before the sales even made.
0: Yeah. Well, and I and I think during the whole buying process, we want to treat people the way that we're going to treat them afterwards, which should be really well, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to give them an amazing experience while they're buying, um, and then continue that amazing experience once they've purchased. Uh, but unfortunately, it, you know, it just things break down. I, I, interview a lot of salespeople. So I always ask them about how things work at the company they're at now and why they are considering leaving, even though we've recruited them, you know, and said, Hey, will you, will you come talk to us about this great you know opportunity for one of my clients? I always ask them how things work. And recently I was talking to a young man. He said, well, you know, I build these great relationships with people from nothing because we have no help with, um, Marketing, no help from marketing, and I have to prospect and generate all my own leads, and I build these relationships from nothing, and these people trust me, and I close the deal, and our delivery team does not deliver. Um, And so I can't go back to those people and ask them for a referral because they're not satisfied and I thought wow that is just so awful it's awful for everybody right mm-hmm. and you know no wonder he wants to leave that company and go to a new company he's like I really want to work at a company where they care about their customers and whether the customers are actually happy after they sell something to them
1: yeah so, I think I, that's that my advice was for anyone in that position is just to is to move to a different company I yeah. mean because there's there's products that are great and products that aren't great. And if you're working for a company where the product's not great, you should start working at a product, a company where the product is great because you know, it's such a competitive and fast moving world that if, if your customer success or delivery team can't actually deliver on the deal you've sold, um, there's a good chance that company's not going to be a a great place to, to be working for as a salesperson for the next five years. It's going to, you know, kind of slowly slide down the drain and, and, uh, and i i've I've been in that situation before where you know the the it's not that the it's probably not that your customer success team is sucks it's that you, it's it's that the product sucks and it just doesn't work that well and you know there's that that that, that doesn't mean the engineering team's bad necessarily or the or you know if you're a, a factory it doesn't mean the factory's bad it just means you know it's not the cars aren't coming off the line. Working all that well, and that means that means uh, the next car company is going to eat their lunch.
0: Yeah, if when the pieces don't fit well together, you know the salespeople can't do anything. But I've seen CEOs who will send the salespeople back out, you know, to get referrals or try to upsell unhappy customers and. I just think it's crazy. I say to the CEO, I think you should go talk to that customer. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and <laughs> yeah. and fi- and find out. I mean, yeah. I, I always I always uh, early in our in our customers our company's history, you know, I, I always said, hey, we we've got to get the basics right before we build the new thing. Like there were all, there's always a customer asking for a new cool feature that or uh, an you know, there's the the engineering team always wants to build the new cool feature. Uh, but if you don't get the core, you got to work, circle back and work on the core things you do. And, and once those are great and, and if, if I could throw a dart at our customer list and call that person and they'd say, it's great. It works fantastic. It does what it says it it does. Then you can, we can start adding more layers to it. And, but you know, you, you gotta, you gotta get your, you gotta build the foundation before you, uh, before you put on a nice, a nice porch.
0: Yes. Absolutely. And yeah, there's always new features to build and people will continue asking and that's wonderful, but uh, we can't have unhappy customers. And too many times, um, especially with investor backed companies that I work with, uh, they want new logos, new logos, go out and get new logos, but they're losing their existing customers at a rapid pace. If mm-hmm. their retention rate is below 80%, uh, really they're bleeding. They're just bleeding money because mm-hmm. it costs us, as we know, many times more to land a new customer than to keep mm-hmm. a customer. So, Absolutely, um, it, I think it's just crazy when people focus so much on new logos and not enough on existing customers. And I think that It's really come to the forefront lately, and I've been hearing more and more people talk about customer retention and how important it is. But it really is just beyond retaining them. If you want to get referrals and have more business flowing in, you've got to move them from just a satisfied customer to the loyal customer that we're talking about. And that takes work and focus and attention. And that means that your resources will have to be diverted from just focusing on getting new logos, some of the resources have to be diverted to your existing customers. But imagine if you kept 80 to 90% of your customers and had annual recurring revenue from them and had them buying all your new products. Sure, you still need new customers to grow, but you don't need as many and they'll be easier to get because you can have all of your loyal customers introducing you to people. So your whole world of sales becomes easier.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, tell me if you, if you're a salesperson and you have a customer that falls under this, what we're calling satisfied. So they seem happy, but you, as a salesperson, you, you have reason to doubt the customer's long-term loyalty. What are some steps that are, that this rep can take to create this loyal relationship with, uh, with a customer that's maybe not quite loyal yet, but is satisfied. What what would you recommend?
0: I think that each individual salesperson and each individual company is going to have something a little bit different, but I would say this, it's important to make sure you have a relationship with all of the people who were involved in making the decision. And so in a complex sale, you, you have to do that anyway to begin with. Um, But I think you have to have open, honest conversations with people. So not just sell and work through the sales process or the buyer's process, right? But stop and ask, how is this working for you? How is it going? So one of the ways to do that, I feel, is to use what we call a map or a mutual action plan. So while I'm doing the selling, I am going to map out the process, the buy-sell process, right? And we're all going to agree to it. And that way we can go back to that and say, here's where we are. Here's what still needs to be done. How are you feeling about that? Has anything changed? And so you're just being very human because we know that people are busy and they have other things on their plate and different things take priority at different times. And just because they said, three months ago that they wanted to make this purchase and complete it by December doesn't mean that's still true. Now that it's October, something might've gotten in the way. So we want to, in our selling do a great job of understanding and leading the process and helping companies make sense. The new, all the new Gartner research, right? They're saying do make sense selling, help the customer through the buying process because it's a messy process. And a lot of times um, at really big companies, the buyers don't even know all the steps that need to be done for them to get what they need. So I think if we can during the buying process be Very transparent, be very authentically concerned about the people involved and what buying means to them and what other things they have on their plate. And we can develop those stronger relationships during the um, process of buying, right? Then um, we will already have people who are more than satisfied because they'll be, they'll, they'll be wowed by the fact that you cared enough along the way to keep checking in with them on how things were going and what else was happening in their world. So you can start building a stronger relationship from the beginning. Uh, And then once again, once the deal's closed, okay, so they're satisfied and maybe even a little loud because the sales process went so well, the buy process, you know, whichever you're going to call it, the sales process, the buy process. But it went so well that they feel really happy and ready to move forward with the next steps of onboarding and everything else. Now uh, they're satisfied and maybe even a little more than that, you keep in touch and you find out who else you need to build relationships with And you continue doing that. Now, what does that mean? Build a relationship. Because I keep saying build a relationship. So that means that you talk to them in a way that adds value and insight so that they want to talk to you again. Um, You share things that are of interest to them that have nothing to do with your product or service, but you know it's something they're trying to tackle at their own company you make introductions for them to people that would be useful for them to meet. So they see that you're more than just a salesperson trying to sell them one specific product or service. So you're trying to figure out how to bring value to them, bring insights to them, far beyond just selling them a product or service. Uh, That's how you're going to gain loyalty, that's how you're going to deepen the relationship. Having conversations where you know they're having a good day they're having a bad day you hear about it you hear about their kids you learn about their vacations and you remember those things and wrap them back into the conversation from the last time so you're forming a friendship of sorts um, and they know you really care about them that's how you build a strong relationship that will allow you to move from satisfied to loyal now If you're in this, you know, grind where it's just go get new customers, go get new customers, and there's so many people all the time, you don't get to slow down and have those kind of conversations or build those relationships. And again, you may be at the wrong company if that's what's going on, but that's what it's going to take. It's about building those strong relationships so that you can learn things that will help them beyond just being satisfied to being loyal.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you i I've, I've kind of had a philosophy for for years that I've been saying that you know it may may be relevant here it, it's uh you, you get to create as much value to, for people as you can, just in general like go around creating value wherever possible and on average you'll probably keep about ten percent of the value you create in the world and so the more the more you can do for other people and just you know random favors and random like, different ways you can create value in the world. You'll probably keep ten percent ish on average, <laughs> and, and that's that's always been my my philosophy. And I, and I think I think that comes back. You, know, you, you you make a bunch of introductions, and every once in a while someone makes a really valuable one for you. You know, you you teach people a bunch of things, and every once in a while they'll they'll teach you one that that really moves the needle for you. But the, the more you can, basically, the more you give, the more you'll the more you'll get. But uh, I think I think there's about a you know ten percent. Uh, capture on, on value creation in the world.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I would agree. I think creating value is important, but you can't do that as a salesperson, unless you keep yourself up to date, unless you, um, you know, study the industry that you're in, study your customers. You've got to be reading, not just about your industry, but about All kinds of things in the world uh, that are interesting, so that you're an interesting person, you have things to add, and uh, you know, just you don't, you can't just focus on your product and service. That's not going to be enough. You have to be a well rounded person with business acumen and interact with other human beings Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a way that makes sense, right?
1: Right. So, that covers a bunch of things that are how people should act. What about the other way? How how shouldn't they act? What are the most common mistakes that you see salespeople making when they're dealing with long-term customers that will ultimately lose that customer's business?
0: Yeah. Well, the first thing is just flat out ignoring them. Sure. Right. That's just, I see it all the time. I'm like, well, when is the last time you had a meaningful contact with that person? You know, no, I sent them an email three months ago. Well, Maybe that's enough if you're, this is not a company you're worried about losing, but if you took your customers and just ranked them, right? So let's take your top 25 customers or the top 25 deals that you've closed or whatever that you've got to keep in touch with. Um, The first thing is just don't ignore them. Don't ignore them. Uh, And then I think another big mistake is that we forget that the person on the other side is a human being who just wakes up every day um you know in survival mode i wake up i figure you know put my feet on the floor figure out what i need to do that day to do the best i can for myself and my family and my business right and so i'm trying to survive i'm trying to go to work and not get fired (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm right trying to have a relationship with My family, I have all the same issues, problems, concerns that that you do. But for some reason, when it's a buyer, especially when it's somebody who has a title that's maybe a little bit higher than ours, we somehow think that they're not a human being or that they think differently or they are different than we are. And uh, they're not. They're human beings who have needs. And every business decision they make has a repercussion on them personally. Either it will make them look good or it will make them look bad. It might even make them lose their job. Mm -hmm. So if you're selling to me, you need to understand as a human being, I have a lot of things on my plate. I am responsible for more than just this one purchase. I have a family who, who knows what kinds of problems we're having in my family this week, or if someone's died or just overloaded with too many soccer games, you don't know. So you have to assume that this person is extremely busy is overloaded, um, is trying to keep their job, (laughs) um, or maybe they're looking for a new job and you don't know it and they're one of the key people involved in this deal. I mean, other things are going on in their life. So the moments they have to talk with you have to be powerful and impactful. So otherwise, they're not going to want to talk to you again. They're not going to answer your calls. They're not going to answer your emails because you don't bring any value and you waste their time. Mm -hmm. so I think that it's just a big mistake not to realize that these are human beings and they're very busy and they're overloaded and overwhelmed with all the input that they have so you have to cut through that noise and and be valuable to them or they're not going to want to answer you and they're not going to want to build a a deeper relationship and they're not going to return your calls
1: yeah I think it's such an important point I mean Decision makers people at companies, you know, who are making million dollar or $10,000 purchasing decisions. They all have a boss. They want to look good to, they all have a team they want to have look, they want to look good to, they want to be successful themselves. Um, everyone has a boss. The CEO reports to the can be reports to the board and they can hire and fire them. And the board reports to the shareholders and who can hire and fire them. Everyone's got a boss, no matter how high up and the person that, uh, that is the decision maker that you're dealing with, they all have the same human motivations that, that anyone else does. Yes. What, what, about, uh, what about if you have a customer, or a sales rep has a customer that's been loyal for an extended amount of time, you thought this was a, a customer that was fully a loyal customer, and now you find out that they're considering uh, breaking up with you for a, a cheaper alternative. What, what steps do you recommend that a sales rep take to get back on their good side?
0: Well, unfortunately, this happens all the time, but it, it happens because you actually weren't really connected with them. You didn't really know what was going on because if you had the type of relationships that you need to have, someone on that team would have said to you, hey, I just want to let you know the rest of the team is looking at your competitor for next year. And that just happened with one of my clients and that is exactly the scenario. It's one of their largest customers. They absolutely cannot afford to lose them. Someone who they had a good relationship with tipped them off that they were out there looking and gave them enough information so that they could put a plan in place. But Mm -hmm. the truth of the matter is that customer was not well enough positioned at higher levels in the organization so they really don't have those good contacts and relationships and they were resting on their laurels well this company has renewed three times in the past why won't they renew this year and you're talking about a two hundred fifty thousand dollar deal so that's going to be painful when that when that doesn't renew so now we're scrambling (laughs) so you have to prevent it and The way you prevent it is once you have closed the deal, if you have an onboarding team and you have a customer success team and you all work together, you build another kind of a map, which is a map of relationships. So our CEO, who does our CEO know there and who does the CEO keep in touch with? Our VP, who does the VP know and who does the VP keep in touch with? Our salesperson, who do they know? Who do they keep in touch with? Customer success. do they need to keep in touch with so you build a map of people and relationships it's called a relationship map that's a good name for it Mm -hmm. and you make sure that everyone is touching the people that they are responsible for touching on a regular basis and that they are adding value and then you don't have surprises like this i guarantee you that if it's a surprise that somebody is looking around at the competitor it's because you didn't have the relationships at the right levels and you didn't stay in touch because there's no way that it could happen and you not know about it when Mm -hmm. you have the right types of relationships
1: yeah another thing that i'd recommend here that i've seen work effectively um you know we we use this at our company because we we do have some low-cost competitors um you know, as every software company does at this point, right? I mean, you know, every single software company has has low cost competitors unless they are a low cost competitor, because <laughs> you can make software anywhere in the world, and and you know, almost every established piece of software, people see it, and they get, they go, oh, we could we could rebuild that, and they they rebuild it, and it's not as good usually, and and it's it's always coming from behind, but they're always there, and this is frankly, it's they're in the auto market and every other market too, right? I mean, I think everyone you know, whether you make small widgets or make cars or whatever it is, there's, there, there's global pressure now on, uh, around having a cheaper alternative, making these relationships so much more important. But when you do find out that you have this situation going on, oh, uh, there's a cheaper competitor on the market. Um, that That's this, comp- this customer that I thought was ours forever is now looking at. I think it's really important to have a, have a plan that the sales rep or the customer success person or whoever that is interacting with the customer on a regular basis can execute against like kind of a a playbook almost where, you know, it's like, Oh, you hear they're evaluating this company against us. Okay. Well, that's fine. I mean, that makes sense. I would, they're cheaper. I would look at them too. Um, Let's here's the, here's the playbook for when this happens. And you know, we, we show them the thing, make sure they know about all these things that we do that they don't, Make sure they know about all these like areas of risk and failure of that other product, and and show them, you know, well, press this button with this product and see how that see how it works. Well, is that what you wanted it to do? Is that we that the experience you were hoping to give to give uh, your users? And uh, but having a a well thought out playbook where you can where you can shine the lights on why you're with well, the value that you create versus the areas of, of risk and places that they, your, your competitor that you probably know better than your, than your customer. Um, show the, the areas of where, where they're not as strong and run, run that playbook and have that, have that playbook available to the frontline employees. I think that's a, a, a key strategy there.
0: I agree. I think a playbook is, is really important. And again, in that playbook, you can just say, here's some questions to ask the competitor. And then they can get the answers and see for themselves. So if you know the right questions and you give them the right questions, then they can ask them and do self discovery.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what it has to be. I mean, they're evaluating the competitor. What you have to do is show them, show them where to, where to, what, where to poke. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> the. And usually, you know, the low, the lower cost competitor is almost never also better it's like you know fast cheap or uh fast cheap or uh what what is it fast cheap or there's three things and you get to pick two better
0: faster cheaper
1: yeah better faster cheaper pick pick two so usually there's a reason it's cheaper it's not because uh it's it's not because the uh the the uh the the geometra is better than the than the bmw (laughs) but uh so what about uh is there ever a good time to say goodbye to a customer who was once loyal? Is there, how do you know when that is? And why would you, why would you do that as a company?
0: Well, that's an interesting question. (laughs) I think that there are lots of reasons that you might say goodbye to a customer, but I'm going to guess that it probably won't be one of your loyal customers. But I think that evaluating your, Your customers on a regular basis is really important so you just make a list and you rank them and you rate them according to whatever measures are important to you and one of them has to be profitability so if a customer is no longer profitable even though maybe they were your loyal customer for many many years if they're no longer profitable you need to talk with them about it and say this you know this it's not profitable in in the, you know, in a polite and and diplomatic way, uh, maybe they were grandfathered into some very low pricing from the very beginning, Mm -hmm. but they, they, you know, still take the same amount of services companies who are paying two or three times as much. I've seen that happen many times. Yeah. Then you need a strategy for upgrading them to the pricing that makes it worthwhile, giving them the opportunity to know that before you just let go of them. But I would say, uh, We want to pay attention to our great customers, wow them, continue to do a great job for them and have them be loyal. And when we feel like we can't do that for whatever reason anymore, then it might be time to part ways with them. But typically, we part ways with customers who treat our employees badly, who treat their own employees badly, who have a bad reputation or don't pay us. Uh, So there's usually a reason, and it it, it isn't typically your loyal customers. Uh, So we're going to look at our customer base and decide, is it still a good idea to do business with these same companies? Are there any that we should part ways with? And again, if it's a loyal customer you're thinking of parting ways with, probably the only reason for that would be profitability. Mm -hmm. It's no longer profitable to do business with them. And then that's a bigger decision. A salesperson can't really make that decision on their own. They need to go to their team, talk about it, and they always should give the customer the opportunity to understand before they just say, oh, you know, we we can't renew with you. Uh, And the customer's like, what? Are you kidding me? You know, that should not be a surprise.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's always easier to have a, Hey, market system market situations have changed and this is no longer profitable for us. We can't do it at this price conversation than, than it is to say, have a goodbye conversation. I think it's, if something's unprofitable, it just means it's, it's up for renegotiation and we, you have to, you have to, you know, and and, and then it just becomes a a normal negotiation like any other, right? It's like, well, I mean, we need, we need to get it to here or, or we, or we can't, uh, or we can't continue to do this, but you know, I understand that this is hard. So we'll give you this and this as well. And right. you know, I, I think that there's always an easier conversation there than just straight goodbye. Unless, unless it's the other things you are talking about. for sure. Right.
0: If someone's unethical, then you just simply part ways and you know, we, we will not be doing business with you anymore. No more explanation needs to be had. That's it done but um in the case of a loyal customer you would always give them that opportunity
1: absolutely well i'd like to enter the sales in 60 seconds section which as you'll recall is just quick questions quick answers um first of all what is one key way in which salespeople can create loyalty by personalizing their sales approach
0: Hmm. so create loyalty by personalizing i think In the early stages when you're just approaching someone, uh, the personalization should be more about their industry and their job. Uh, I know there is a lot of talk about AI being able to scoop this information so you can personalize down to like maybe the soccer team they like or something. But I don't think that's a really good idea when you're, it's a little creepy when you're first (laughs) approaching someone. So I like the idea of building loyalty by always from from the start adding value always offering something maybe an you know something valuable that they can read or use making an introduction adding an insight something like that and showing them that you know what people in that work in their industry that work that have their title you know that you know about their industry you know that for example cmo's are concerned about these things so you show them that You may not know them personally, but you do understand what they do for a living and what role they play at their company, if it's CMO, CTO, VP, director, ops, sales, whatever, and that you know and understand their industry and you've worked with other people there. That starts to add value from the very beginning to build that loyalty. Um, You want them to trust you. You can't build loyalty without trust. So if anything that you do in the beginning that would make them not trust you is is going to hurt you right from the start. Mm-hmm. So you want to gain their trust from the beginning, add value, and then as you move the relationship along, you can go from... Industry and title type of information to what's happening at their company as you learn more and understand more by reading and listening and say, you know, we know at your company you're trying to do these things, and that's why we have these ideas for you. And that's where you bring insights in. So as you move through the stages of the buying cycle with them, you get you build the relationship more, you gain more trust. You can, they allow you to add more value. And then you also may get to know them personally a little bit as well. And you can start to wrap that into your conversations.
1: Absolutely. What do you think the biggest thing that gets in the way of customer attention is?
0: oh gosh, there's so many. But the, I think the biggest thing is that we're focused on getting new logos and not and not keeping the ones we have. I think that's what gets in the way. It's like, go focus on getting new logos. All our money's spent on that. Our marketing's spent on that. Right. No, so we're just simply focused on the wrong thing.
1: So true. And a lot of times you'll see a company where 80, 90% of their business is from existing customers and they've got all the guns pointed at the new ones. That's, that's a common error. Uh, what do you think the best way to understand uh, when a customer is gonna need more of your product. How do you, how are there there flags? Are there, what would you say is the best way to think about that?
0: Well, I like to ask them, you know, planning for 2020, like now's a great time to ask, planning for 2020, tell me some things that are changing at your company. What's happening? Will you be hiring more people? You know, I ask the questions that are related to what I sell and whether they'll need more of it or not. Mm -hmm. I also watch the internet. And so I use Google Alerts to to tell me about companies and I watch to see what they post and I watch for what I call trigger events. And if I see a trigger event that might tell me they might need more of or the new product that we just released, then I'll contact them right away because I'll see, oh, I see that you guys merged with this other company. So now I'm wondering, how will we get user adoption for the software in the new company? How can we help you with that?
1: Absolutely. Um, and what's the best tip that you know to earn a referral from, from your customers?
0: Well, you have to do a great job. Number, first and foremost, the best tip is do a great job always. And then don't just assume you've done a great job. Ask them, did I do a great job? Are you happy? What would make you happier? That's, those are two of my favorite questions. Are you happy? What would make you happier? You know, in regards to our product, right? I can't fix your whole life. So In regards to our product, are you happy with it? What would make you happier? And I think if you you know that, you know, you can help. You can move them forward.
1: And what should the field salespeople listening today do as a first step towards making their next customer a loyal, trusting, and long-lasting relationship?
0: I think a first step is to do your homework. So number one, do you know all of the people that you need to know and what is the level of your relationship with each one of them? Figure that out and then once you know it, plan an approach to improve it.
1: Fantastic, well, I'm gonna try to summarize all this wisdom that you've you've shared with us today, Alice. Um, So first of all, don't assume you have loyal customers. Second, uh, moving from a transactional sale to a satisfied customer takes work, and moving to a loyal customer takes continuous work. Satisfied customers say things like, this worked, this is a great product. But keep in mind, you need to ask, how how was the buying process? Are you happy with the product? A loyal customer won't look around for other solutions. If something goes wrong, they'll give you a choice to make it better, and then they really become a walking billboard for you. Team selling means everyone is involved when they need to be and where they need to be. Upon closing a deal, make sure the handoff is seamless and include regular follow-ups. Put yourself in your customer's shoes and think about how you would wanna be served. To take a customer from satisfied to loyal, have an an open and honest conversation with the the people you're selling to and make sure things are going really, really well. Make sure you follow up regularly to build the relationship. It really takes a, a strong relationship to move a customer from satisfied to loyal. So talk to them in a way that builds value and insights so that they will want to talk to you again. Bring them more value beyond just your product and solution. Um, also remember that buyers are, are humans. So understand that buyers have a lot on their plate and they're extremely busy. The moments that you spend talking to the buyers need to be valuable and impactful. If you have a truly loyal customer, you don't want to lose them to cheaper alternatives. Uh, if, if, if not all people involved in a decision are loyal, that's when buyers start to look for competitors, right? So there's a lot of stakeholders. Any one of them can can initiate looking at a a cheaper alternative or a competitor. So salespeople can counter this by making their relationships better with each decision maker in order to make sure that everyone in the organization is, uh, is becomes loyal to, to your product or service. Alice this has been so valuable. Where can listeners read more about your work? How can they reach out to you if, if, they, uh, if they're interested in more?
0: Well, absolutely can go to my website, alicehyman.com. Very easy. And you can find me on LinkedIn. And when you do, send me a message that says you met me on the show. <laughs> and then I'll know uh, how you found me. And I'll be delighted to connect with you.
1: Fantastic. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode of the Outside Sales Talk. If anyone has any feedback, feel free to reach out to us at feedback at talk.com. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps spread the word and get more outside people like you to find out about us. Take care until next week.